Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you in part every week by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services Modern Mortgage Group, Carrie Augustini, insurance manager for Island Savings, and Carrie Smith, home inspector from Inspectech. If you need an opinion from experts in insurance, mortgages, or building inspection, Denise, Carrie, and Carrie are great people to talk with. You can find their contact information by going to the CFAX 1070 website, look under Shows, there you'll find us, The Whole Home Show, with me, Tony Joe, And their contact information is all there. Or you can always find me online or on social media or anywhere online. I'd be happy to chat with you. My background as your host for the next hour is as a locally born and raised Victorian. I've been selling real estate here since 1991. I have seen thousands of transactions, overseen almost every situation you can imagine. So I'm here for you if you have any story or any uh, question that you like regarding real estate or housing, or things to do with your property, let me know. I'd be happy to chat with you. Uh, you can call us uh, on our hotline, which is 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. Real estate is often a really big piece of a complex process of handling someone's estate. Today we'll be talking with a real estate or an estate lawyer, Gurpreet Randawa from Sitka Law as well as Steve Bracos from Estate Helpers. Uh, he helps people prepare a property for sale during the estate process. Let's start our show with our weekly listener question. If you have a curiosity or question about real estate, again, call us, 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. Oh, or you can find us on the CFAX 1070 website. Uh, it's been a busy week this week with inquiries relating to the legalization of marijuana and how it affects homes and real estate. Today on the phone to talk about this very important aspect, about the very important aspect of mortgaging and whether the presence of recreational pot plants may cause complications is now our show sponsor and our regular guest, Denise Webster from Dominion Lending Services. Denise, thanks for coming uh, on the phone with us today. Hi, Tony. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me. It's a good topic, to, uh, very relevant today. Yeah, so have you been getting these questions as well too? Um, not a lot yet, but there's definitely a, the hub is the talk is in the industry, and we're kind of waiting to see what lenders are thinking about if there's going to be any changes in policies. And as of yet, no, there has been no changes in any policies. Okay, so so basically where this is coming from is I had a client this week um, call and say they're interested in buying a house that is known to have been a grow op. And there seemed to be some thought that, you know, now that uh, marijuana is legal, that these things aren't issues anymore. So tell us, though, from a uh, lender standpoint, what is the bank's position? Well, the bank and our mortgage insurers are holding their position and treating it just as it always been, has been treated. And mostly it comes down to, um, is there been any damage to the home? Uh, is there going to be, uh, was there obviously a report to the RCMP? Um, has it been remediated? Uh, has the air quality been tested? There's a checklist I'll go through shortly and let you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it really comes down to now, is that house marketable, marketability uh, been jeopardized? Yeah. Um, uh, so whether it's legal or illegal has not made any changes to really has the home been damaged? Yeah. And that's what it's always been. And there's only a handful of lenders, mostly our credit unions, that even do consider these remediated grow-ups. Most of our, um, some banks will, but uh, the non-banks, they don't even touch the remediated grow-ups. It's, it, because it's risky, right? 
Absolutely. Um, and it's really because maybe it's not going to present any type of mold for another five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there could be um, future damage that comes out of it. And it's just not being presented because it's just recently been remediated. <laughs> yeah. So therein lies the problem. I mean, the, the difficulty is the house may appear fine and it may look uh, great. And it, and even with a building inspection, you may not be able to, to know whether or not there's damage, because one of the biggest concerns is that the introduction of that extra moisture in the house can cause problems uh, within the wall systems and the wall structures, right? Correct. And there also may have been a um, a very makeshift electrical change to the Mm -hmm. property, right? The electrical um, could have been jeopardized as well, depending on if it was done properly or not. Yeah. So you're hoping your home inspection is going to find that. Um, But I'll just give you, here's a a list of what is going to be required and has been always. So I don't see any changes in this. So if it was remediated, um, we need to uh, have uh, a current occupancy permit. So it has to be proven that it's it's able to be occupied again. Mm -hmm. In the eyes of the municipality. Yes, municipality. Thank you. And it has to have a a level one environmental assessment, which includes the air quality testing. Um, another thing that I find interesting is that um, the borrower also has to go and obtain independent legal advice, um, providing them with a full disclosure of the risk associated with purchasing a former grow-up. So they're, they'll meet with their lawyer if they're purchasing this home. Maybe they've checked all this off, but then they have to step outside and meet with another lawyer that's just going to give them the independent legal advice, knowing that this is not possibly a marketable home because there's limited lenders that lend on these. So if you do think you're going to sell your home, you might find borrowers running into problems. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they had no problem, but it, couldn't, it might not work for every borrower out there. Um, and then just to, to find out that, yes, maybe five years down the road, you could be presented with an issue in your home that was a result of having to grow up. Yeah, and it's one of these nasty surprises that you don't want to be, <laughs> that you don't want to hit. You know, you, yeah. you, you, you go in uh, buying your dream home with the idea that everything will be fine, only to find out afterwards that, uh, that this is an issue. And the other thing that you just brought up a moment ago is um, on resale. What, what's going to be like for you to try to resell this property? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, think about somebody who's actually maybe bought a house with cash. They didn't have to go through the lending gu- um, uh, guidelines or rules, and now they, you know, they think they can flip the house and sell it. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be a. It's going to be a bit tricky again, just because there's such limited l- lenders actually looking at these properties, and we don't really know uh, if any policy changes are coming to open the door to more lenders. I think the one thing I'd really push back actually to you, Tony, is um, the one gray area right now is what's going to happen to those property disclosure statements in the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, will the wording be changed to say illegal or legal? Yeah. Um, and are you actually um, going to be under an obligation to confirm that there were only indeed four plants in the home? Yeah. Or was it illegal because there were more than four? Okay. Well, okay. thanks for bringing that up. So, because on the property condition disclosure statement that uh, sellers are required to sign uh, in order for properties to be listed on the multiple listing service. And and we brought this up on the show before. They're, they need to be signed, but not necessarily completed, right? right. And, and one of the questions that is on this is, has the property been used uh, to grow illegal um, marijuana or drugs? Um, and you just brought that up. The key word there is illegal, because now all of a sudden, um, legal is okay. Um, and um, in the in the law that I understand, they're saying that it's okay for people to grow up to four plants in their home, right? 
Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's so many questions here. Like, what's the size of the plants? You know, um, it, 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 it doesn't still address the damage that can be done to a house, right? Exactly. And, and another good point I heard I made on one of the forums of, you know, one of the broker sites that we talk about, um, it's, it's comparable to, okay, it's legal now, so it's like tomatoes. But do you grow your tomatoes in your home? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it, it's, it's a legal operation now, so keep it outside if yeah. you can. Um, and maybe that's going to be where we actually see some changes is it is actually going to be um, more exposed because it's legal. So mm-hmm. nobody's having to hide anything. Maybe it is just a nice open greenhouse in their backyard, not jeopardizing their primary home. Yeah. Well, actually, and on that topic too, it's not just the um, pot plants because people have, there are these indoor growing uh, um, systems that people can have in their home for, for, right. for, you know, growing vegetables and fruits and stuff. And those too can cause damage in a house, right? Yes. It's going to look a bit upon the same way. Has it brought moisture into the home? Yeah, because for sure. Because you're bringing in a, um, an outdoor activity into the home. Um, again, the electrical could be jeopardized. Yeah. So, so the bottom line is just because marijuana is legal doesn't mean that your past grow-up house is going <laughs> to is is no. uh, is any more attractive because it's still problematic. No. Denise, people need people need to reach you. How can they do that? Directly on my cell at 250-889-4743 or send me an email to denise at denisewebster.com. Denise, you are so great, always full of information. Thanks for coming uh, as always and thanks for being a regular sponsor of the show. Thanks for having me, Tony. Okay. Thank you, Denise. Uh, When we come back, we're going to be talking about estates, how to prepare your estate for sale and what to expect when you go through the estate process. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there, thanks for coming back. This is The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're talking today about estates and properties and handling your property uh, when something happens, when somebody passes away or it leaves their property and other items uh, to family, beneficiaries, uh, or otherwise. We have with us in our studio right now an estate lawyer from Sitka Law. It's Gapreet Randawa. Gapreet, thanks for coming. Thanks so much for having me, Tony. Great. So um, let's start with the estate process because this is very complicated, something that people don't often uh, think about. You know, a relative has passed away. They know the estate's going to be cleared. You know, uh, perhaps there's an interest in the house and things like that. There's a timeline here. Like, it is a very complicated process, right? It is. It, it definitely isn't straightforward. Yeah. Um, there's various timelines to be mindful of. Um, and, you know, in some instances, um, you might not even have to go through the probate process. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. What yeah. What is probate? So probate is essentially the process of having the deceased will certified as valid by a court. You can go through the probate process even if the deceased doesn't have a will. Yeah. But it's essentially submitting an application to the probate registry, um, listing the assets and liabilities held by the deceased at the time of death. Um, If there's a will, the deceased has decided who's going to be applying for this grant of probate. And if there isn't a will, then one would apply um, for a grant of probate as well. Um, The only assets that are actually subject to the probate process are assets held in the deceased's sole name at death. So things like joint property, joint accounts, Registered investments. So, so for instance, a husband and a wife, one of them passes away, 
right, the properties in both of their names, it doesn't go through probate because it just goes to the to the uh, the survivor. Correct. Depending it, on the arrangement. Right? Exactly. In that case, it would go to the surviving spouse. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I, you know, what I hear you saying right now, because we're talking probate and a will, even though you said that uh, a will is not necessary, I think this is a good reminder for people that they should have a will. Right. Absolutely. I highly recommend a will. Um, If you don't have a will, the Wills, Estates and Succession Act sets out the distribution scheme. So if you want to have any control over who receives what, then I highly recommend a will. Well, I mean, let's talk about that for for a moment, because surely you've bumped into this where somebody has passed away and there isn't a will. And it's probably a nightmare for the survivors and the family, right? It definitely can be, Um, especially if there's minor children or beneficiaries who have a disability. Um, with a will, you're able to kind of create trusts, disability trust, trusts for minors. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't have a will, the public guardian and trustee becomes the default trustee. So if you want to have control over, you know, how your assets are distributed, definitely have a will in place. Yeah, it's one of those things that pe- it seems like people are always putting off. It's like, oh, I'll get to my will, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And, and uh, you know, things can happen, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So get, getting back to the probate, mm-hmm. um, the probate uh, is, is a process. Now, it takes a fair amount of time as well, right? Yeah. So um, there's some time required just on the front end in collecting all of the information. So the executor, who is the party responsible for making the application, does need to list all of the deceased assets and liabilities, um, which means, you know, following up with the banks to determine account balances, um, if there's property, determining the value um, that you wish to disclose on that application. Mm-hmm. Once you have all of the information, um, you submit a probate application to court. It can then take six to eight weeks to have uh, have that grant issued, yeah. assuming there's no issues with the application. <laughs> okay. And this is a big question because it often comes up uh, with realtors as well, too. When a realtor is handling an estate sale, they it, there's always that question, well, how long is it going to take? Mm-hmm. Um, and the bottom line is it depends on how busy the, the court is, right? Exactly. It depends on what wait times are. Yeah. Um, and it also uh, depends on how long it takes to get all the information. Yeah. Um, because if the deceased did have several bank accounts, perhaps, you know, interests in a corporation, it could take longer to just finalize the application. Yeah. And, and you know, six to eight weeks. I mean, this is a, this is a timely process, mm-hmm. right? And it's not... So, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not like somebody's handling a file for six to eight weeks. It's basically a wait line in the queue. And that's the time frame that this file will be brought forward, right? Exactly. And those are just current wait times. Yeah. And you yeah. can't rush them, right? No. It's yeah. very difficult to have, have matters like this rushed. I mean, there has to be special circumstances. Mm-hmm. I have seen um, rarely um, at our expedited if there's minor children. Oh. Um, who, but there has, so there has to be circumstances. Exactly. Yeah. And not just a sale. So, you know, because we, we've had this where, where a buyer might say, well, I really want to move forward with this property, you know, push it through the courts. Let's, mm-hmm. let's let it happen. And, and, and that's not how it works, right? That's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. We're here with um, Gurpreet Randau from Sitka Law talking about the estate process. Had a conversation about wills. Make sure you have one because that's very important. Uh, and this whole uh, probate process. Um, 
again, the reason why probate is necessary is because the um, the estate just needs to confirm that nobody has claim to any of these any of these items, right? It, exactly. And land with when it comes to property, land titles will not transfer property without the grant of probate. Mm-hmm. So as I said, there may be assets that don't require probate, yeah. um, like assets under a certain value, bank accounts under a certain value. But whenever it comes to property, it can't be transferred without the grant of probate. Yeah. So it gets held up at the land title office. Uh, I had one recently where the um, there was a delay in the probate process, uh, and it wasn't handled through your guys' office. Mm-hmm. You know that the 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 executor um, uh, was he's, actually it's funny. I got to tell you, I had a look at the will, and of course, the realtors, it is required that we have a look at certain documents to make sure that the process is is happening. And I think it was one of these homemade mm-hmm. uh, will things and everything. And I got to say, I can't help but think that that really delayed the process. I can absolutely see, you know, seeing that delay the process because if a will doesn't meet the formality requirements of the legislation, uh-huh. then you have to apply to have the deficiencies in the will uh, cured. And that's probably what the delay was, right? Yeah. Because uh, literally, I think this was one of these forms that came out of, you know, you can buy them online mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took a long, it delayed things. Uh, we had the case where... The buyer was anxious. They really wanted to move in, um, even asked us if it was possible for them to take possession before the probate was granted. And, of course, that's that's a risky situation, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, I mean, we didn't do that. It, mm-hmm. it didn't make sense. It all ended up mm-hmm. uh, happening at the end of the day. But I think there was a lot of extra complication there that, that wasn't really necessary. Well, exactly. And a lot of people who do those wills kits aren't, aren't aware of the formality requirements, what makes that type of will valid. It may be valid under certain circumstances, yeah. um, but if you don't have the advice, you don't necessarily know. Yeah. So it can absolutely cause delays if, if your will doesn't meet those requirements. Yeah. And and a will, I mean, depending on how complicated your, your um, you know, all of your belongings are and, and everything, it doesn't need to be a complicated process when a lawyer, when someone like you actually uh, arranges it for a, for a client, right? Exactly. And I, we generally, our process is to have clients come in for an initial consult. Let's talk about the probate process, the will, what it deals with, what it doesn't deal with. If you need some more time to think about things, by all means, take that time. Yeah. Um, if you feel comfortable moving forward, we'll prepare the documents and answer any general questions you have along the way, including, you know, what happens after you pass away. Yeah. How is probate handled? Yeah, and, and these are things. So what you're really doing is you're planning in advance to make it so that it is not a, um, it's not a nightmare for your heirs uh, or your executor when that time happens, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people need to reach you guys at Sitka Law. What's the best number to call? The best number to call is 778-265-2677. Let's hear that again. 778-265-2677. And your website? Our website is sitkalaw.ca. Yeah, you guys have got a, uh, a sizable operation. We had Christian Hoy here uh, some time ago talking about real estate law and stuff. Yes. How, many, how many lawyers do you guys have? We currently have 10 lawyers. Okay. Yep, yep. And your location is at the corner of Cedar Hill Cross and Shelbourne. Exactly. We're just above Coast Capital. Yeah, and you guys cover what uh, what types of law? So we do a lot of estate planning, yep. wills, powers of attorney, rep agreements, probate, mm-hmm. um, real estate, yep. corporate, um, employment, and personal injury. Okay, um, that is great. Full service uh, law firm, Gurpreet Randawa. Uh, and don't go anywhere because we're going to talk more about estates. Uh, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll be t- chatting with Steve about what to do with all the items and leftovers uh, at an estate property. We'll be back in just a moment. 
Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you every week in part by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services Modern Mortgage Group, Carrie Augustini, insurance, insurance manager for Island Savings, and Carrie Smith, home inspector from Inspectac. If you need an opinion from experts in insurance, mortgages, or building inspections, give Denise, Carrie, or Carrie a call. They're great people to chat with, and they'd be happy to help you through your process, as would I. If you need some advice on real estate, buying or selling, I have 27 years' worth of experience, and I'd be happy to uh, help you in going from point A to point B. You can find me uh, either on the CFAX website here or my own website, which is primeteam.ca. It's www.primeteam.ca. By the way, if you're a podcast listener, you can download all of our shows. We have about 90 of them now. Uh, And we are on iTunes and Google Play. And if you do have any questions that you'd like us to cover or answer on our show, just call us, 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. We're talking about estates today. We were chatting with uh, Gurpreet Randawa, lawyer from Sitka Law, just a moment ago about the probate process. We're going to have her back uh, after our next break. But right now in the studio, we have with us Steve Barakos. Steve's with Estate Helpers. Steve, thanks for coming. Thank you, Tony. How are you today? Great. Great, great. So actually, you've been doing this for some time uh, in... The Edmonton area, right? Yes, that's correct. So tell our listeners uh, what, uh, what you do. Basically what we do is uh, we, help, we help our customers deal with the estate from start to finish. Um, we found that uh, it's very difficult for family members to deal with the estates. And so we do everything from start to finish, and we go into the, we go into the, the estate. We take a look at what's in there. Uh, we help out the customers. Uh, we clear, clear garbage out. Um, we have cust- customers can pick whatever items they want. Um, family members might want some items. So we make sure that everything's dealt with prior. We deal with lawyers, uh, executors, trustees, yeah. um, and family members or, or dedicated family friends. Um, and we help them uh, go through everything in the house. Yeah. Um, and whatever needs to be thrown out or kept, we, we go through that. With All the right, customers. so let's, let's, uh, let's run through a, a possible scenario here, one that I've seen many times. I know yes. one that you've seen because, of course, your background is in real estate as well, too. Yes. Yeah, you, were, you were in the real estate business as well. Yes, I was. So a, um, a person passes away. Yes. Leaves behind a house. Yes. May not have uh, beneficiaries or kids um, or heirs. Uh, so all of a sudden, the estate has got this house with 30, 40, 50 years worth of accumulation to deal with. Yes. So the question is, what's who's going to take care of this? Yes. Well, that's why I decided to open up estate helpers. Yeah. Because there's a huge need for this, um, especially in Victoria. Yes. Um, and and you've been doing this again in Edmonton for yes. a while now. Yes. Yeah, so, because there's so many things to consider. You, you've brought them up. It's cleaning. It's uh, packing. It's get you know uh, uh, knickknacks. Yes. I mean, how many knickknacks you bump into? Thousands, <laughs> hundreds of thousands. <laughs> All right. Um, and and tell us about the process now. So you have. Oh, and by the way, I, I just used an example where a, a a person may not have had kids. Yes. But it doesn't matter because even if there are kids. Kids are often busy. Yes. You know, they often don't have the time um, to be able to put into right. a clearing out an estate. So they may be your client. Exactly. They call you saying, make my life easier, right? Right, right. And one of the big problems we've found is a lot of the kids aren't actually in the city. 
Yeah. And they don't have the time. And this is common in Victoria because people have retired here. Maybe they're from the prairies. They're from Ontario, something like that, right? Right. So yeah. so we can also use FaceTime communications or, or tablets, and we can walk around the house, and the family doesn't need to come to the house. Wow. Sure, identifying uh, things. Do you remember this? Oh, I remember this when I was a kid, whatever. Right, right? so we can help find um, important documents. We can help find jewelry, um, any of the the items that the people, the the children are are, are wanting. Mm -hmm. We pack them up for them, and we ship them right to them as well. Wow. All right, so I'm guessing there's a fair amount of sort of accounting here and uh, itemizing things, right? Yes, by all means. We categorize everything if need be. Yeah. Um, They had a list of everything that's in the home. Yeah. And, uh, and they can pick and choose from there. And then if they can either, either we do junk removal because every house is different. Some, some items can be very nice and some items aren't very nice. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and, you know, again, you, you've touched the vein there because we, we've seen properties where the owner maybe thought this collection of whatever it was has a great value. Yes. And you, and you can't even get rid of them. Right. right. Uh, China cabinets are a prime example. Um, everything in China cabinets uh, very difficult to sell. Yeah, um, you can sell it online, but generally, generally speaking, nobody today really wants that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, they're they're not valued the same as they were before. No, right? no, yeah. Grandma liked them a lot more than the grandkids. Did, <laughs> <really>. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, this is a reminder as well. It's it's kind of um, uh, it's sort of sad when you see somebody who has cherished this China set, but only pull it out maybe you know. 15, 20 times in their lifetime and it's taken up all the space in a cabinet or, you know, whatever. And at the end of the day, it, it, um, uh, it's really not worth anything. Well, yeah, the value isn't there for somebody else, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the methods that you use to, um, uh, to, to, to sell things? Um, we use eBay. Um, our biggest, one of our biggest things we do is the state sales. Yeah. Um, that way the family, if they have, you know, a number in mind for something, um, they can come and you know and, and share that with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go in there, we clear clear all the all the junk out, make it look good, set up a sale, have a two three four day sale, and then we share we share usually half and half with the customer, mm-hmm. and then whatever's left over um, we donate um, to charity. What one of the things we're doing here in Victoria is there's one of the common denominators of these estates are a large amount of repeatable household items, mm. cups dishes, pots, and pans. Yeah. So what we're doing here is we're putting together move-out sets for university students. Interesting. So we set up, we package up a few boxes. There can be couches. We don't really like beds because beds are pretty particular to people, but yeah. we can put together a one, two-bedroom suite or bachelor suite, all itemized, and you don't have to go shopping to all these stores, and it really saves well, time. And you're, well, and you're recycling things. Exactly. You're preventing them from going into the, uh, the landfill, Yeah, right? we don't want to throw anything away. We want to make sure that all the charities get what they deserve yeah. and what uh, and what and to give back to society. Yeah. So, you know, you just you talked about the fact that, of course, you, you work out some sort of economic uh, um, uh, split uh, with, the, with the family and everything. I think people need to, to realize there's a lot of work involved in doing this kind of stuff, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, because uh, every time you're posting something on eBay Mm -hmm. or wherever you're doing it, I mean, you're getting inquiries, you're getting people that want to have a look but might not buy, uh, you know, for a $50 item. I mean, there's a lot of work, right? Right, right. And we also specialize in um, hoarded properties or people that Uh, are sort of pack properties. I don't, it's really tough to describe, but, you know, when somebody lives in a home for 60, 70 years and it's two bags in and no bags out for that amount of time, yeah. There can be a lot of items. Well, for our listeners, this is a topic that we actually haven't talked about yet. I have uh, I have encountered uh, hoarder homes. I've had to sell them, in fact. 
Uh, and uh, just like you said, it's unlike anything you'd ever see before. Um, uh, people, it's it's a um, it's a state where everything is just kept in the house, and we've seen wall to wall boxes, papers, um, uh, and and you can't even see the house. No, right? No, and those ones can take up to a month or two to to unload because it could be so many items. Yeah. And a lot of times we have to wear masks or hazmat suits to go in because yeah. a lot of basements, mostly in Victoria, um, have quite a bit of moisture coming in and mold and yeah. um, very old dust and whatever vermin that are in the home. Yes. So, uh, speaking of which, and this is probably, this is going to uh, cause some of our listeners to squeam a little bit, but um, I remember one of our hoarder houses having dead cats in the corner. Yeah. Yeah, so you must see everything. Yeah, I've seen houses where the cats played with the mice. They oh, hung, yeah. They hung out together. Okay. Oh, group reads giving us the face right here. <laughs> All right. Um, people need to reach us, Steve. What's the best way to do that? Yes, yeah, so my phone number is uh, 780-394-6277. No, that's an Edmonton number. Right? That's correct. I'm in both Edmonton and Victoria half and half time. I have houses here and there. Great. And my website is www.estatehelpers.ca. Great. Estatehelpers.ca. Right, and you can reach me at estatehelpers at outlook.com. Great. Give us your phone number again. 780-394-6277. If you don't have a phone plan, by all means, call Collect. It's okay. Great. Good to know. All right, Steve, well, don't go anywhere because when we come back after this break, we're going to have a conversation about estates with uh, Gurpreet Randawa, lawyer from Sitka Law, and you, Steve uh, Barakos from Estate Helpers. We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there. Thanks for joining us again. This is The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're talking about estates today, estate planning, wills, what to do with all the belongings in a house. Our guests in the studio are Gurpreet Randawa from Sitka Law and Steve Barakos from Estate Helpers. Uh, Gurpreet, I just wanted to pick up the conversation again about preparation. We talked about the fact that a will is so important, not necessary, but very important in uh, making the probate and the estate process easier, right? Um, executors, because you mentioned executor. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell the listeners what an executor is. So an executor is essentially the person or professional that you've appointed to manage your estate uh, and apply for probate and go through that probate process on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, this individual or entity is essentially responsible for, once probate's been granted, liquidating the assets, distributing the assets in accordance with the will, and dealing with all the beneficiaries. Yeah, and this is this is a role that is, that is on one hand, a uh, it's an honor because, I guess, when you're developing your, your will, you designate this person, and um, it's an honor to be an executor for an estate, but on the other hand, it also, too, is a lot of work and responsibility, right? It is. It's a lot of work and responsibility. Um, an executor, you know, needs to ensure that they've met all the requirements, that they've, you know, served all parties who need to be served with a copy of the probate application. I mean, if, if you know, the beneficiaries don't get along, uh-huh. it can be an even more complicated process. Yeah, and I've seen cases like that where the kids are the beneficiaries, but they were not designated to be the executor because I guess a parent understood that 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 it would never be equitable. So they have an outside person, like an uncle, like a brother or a, a relative or a mm-hmm. trusted friend, become right. that executor role. Right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And there's so many emotions going on, you know, once a parent or a loved one has passed away, um, and and 
the executor is kind of, you know, dealing with all that, you know, the grief that the beneficiaries are experiencing, potentially anger Mm -hmm. that they're not named in that role. So, yeah. Now, the uh, state lawyer can also be the executor, right? Exactly. So um, clients are welcome to appoint, you know, a friend or family member, but also a lawyer, an accountant, a a trust company. Some Mm -hmm. banks have trust companies. So you can hire a professional as well to take on that role. Yeah, it's it, there's just there's just so much responsibility. Uh, in the case of my my mother, I lost both my parents. My mother passed away three years ago. My brother took care of the estate stuff. I know that there was a lot of work. I mean, the accounting side, uh, and there wasn't a lot there, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, just making sure that everything was accounted for uh, and that uh, everything was above board. It's 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 a lot of work, right? It is. Yep. Yeah. And an executor is also a fiduciary, so they you know have to act in the estate's best interests. Um, And I think it's important for executors to get advice because they want to make sure that they're covered before they release um, the assets in accordance with the will Mm -hmm. as well. So I I think it's important for an executor to have proper advice as well. Now, uh, there's a provision where the executor actually uh, is entitled to a percentage of the estate based on the or because of the work that is necessary, right? Exactly. Um, So under the Trustee Act, executors are entitled to a percentage of your estate up to a maximum of 5%. um, But they have to justify the percentage they're claiming based on the work involved. So if you have a relatively simple estate, a property and some bank accounts, you're probably looking at 25 to 3.5% claimed. Um, Executors do need to submit their accounts to beneficiaries for approval as well. Yeah. So I'm sorry, is is that uh, amount something that is designated in the will or is that something that comes afterwards? So it's it's set out in the legislation, the Trustee Act, mm-hmm. but you can al- always alter that um, in your will as well. So yeah. if you choose to, you know, leave a lump sum as opposed to a percentage, your will could set that out and it would govern. Yeah. Well, you know what? And, and, and I think this is equitable because to, to, first of all, nominate someone for the role of being an executor, again, big responsibility. Uh, and you, you wouldn't expect someone to do that because it takes a lot of their time, effort, and energy and to, and to do that for, uh, for, for nothing. I mean, there should be some, uh, something there for the executor, right? I, I believe there should absolutely be something there because it is quite a bit of work. Yeah. Um, and there's wary, various ways of structuring compensation. For sure. Uh, switching over to Steve here, Steve, uh, and executors. I mean, executors are people that, that you are dealing with on a regular basis, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. What seems to be the biggest stress or biggest uh, uh, concern that they have as far as uh, liquidating assets out of a, out of a house, for instance? Uh, strictly uh, being overwhelmed, number one, for sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of times executors weren't necessarily close to the family at the time of death. So as you said before, it was uh, taking away a lot of their time. And they're overwhelming of all the stuff and then all the paperwork and a lot of times they don't want to go into the home yeah and they still have to deal with it yeah actually this is a good point because i i'm thinking right now of one that we dealt with a little while ago where i think it, it was a brother of the um uh of the deceased and he had not stepped foot in the house for like 20 years yeah so he, he knew nothing and he had no um he had no personal interest in any of the items there were no uh, uh heirs or uh, beneficiaries um, so I, I can't imagine where somebody like that starts, you know? Yeah. And basically it's, it's basically going through the house, you know, if they want to go in once or twice or whatever, go through with them and then just, we just take over and just get everything done for them Yeah, and just make it easier. It's very emotional for people to go into these houses. Yeah. How, what about a, a timeline here? Cause I'm sure, I mean, Hey, I, I, I understand that certain houses will take more and everything, yes. but like w- what sort of turnaround time can people expect when, uh, when you're taking care of things? If it's an average size house, say a three bedroom house, um, with, 
items upstairs and downstairs in the basement and the garage, you can expect a maximum time of about two weeks to have it all completely done. Oh wow! Yeah, we get in there. We get in there quick. We'll take a team of five people and and go through it all, then set up for an estate sale. Um, we also we also do um, contract renovations as well. So we can fix a roof, we can do the electrical, we can deal with the city for permits. That takes a little bit more time. Yeah. And of course, get a realtor to help us sell it. Yeah. And we can also stage the home. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is your real estate background speaking here, yeah. right? Because um, getting the home prepared is just the same as any other real estate transaction. You want to make sure that the house is showing in its best, its best light. Because if you have something that's got a hole in the roof or it's got significant repair necessary, this state is, is going to suffer, right? Right, right. And we like to work with the realtors to really dial in the house to make it look as best as we can. Yeah. And there could be a lot more items. So once we get everything out, you know, you know, the house could have not had any maintenance done on it for 50 years. Yeah. So there could be a lot of upgrades, and it's not going to pass any inspection, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and again, your goal is to make that house as saleable as possible. Right? right. So you just have to deal with one company. We take care of everything from start to finish. You know, and that's a really important point because, again, I think that's another area of stress for most uh, families or executors is where do I start? You know, there's, there's, you know, who's going to do the, uh, um, uh, the, the debris uh, um, takeaway? Who's going to fix the roof? Who's going to do all of these things? Whereas this is something that uh, uh, that you take care of. Yes, uh, soup to nuts, right? Yes, by all means. Yeah. All right, um, Gurpreet. With uh, with an estate, we talked about the fact that the uh, probate can take six to eight weeks. Um, I have heard from people that there's often the thought that if they go to a different court, the timeline might be different. Uh, Vancouver, Victoria, Cowichan, uh, yeah. is this is this true? I've heard this as well. Um, we predominantly apply in Victoria, yeah. but I have heard from other lawyers that sometimes the wait times are much less in Duncan, for instance. Yes. Um, so it does depend on the registry as well. Okay. And and the other thing that I've heard too, uh, and I think it's in Victoria here, something about the fact there there is one person that takes care of all of this stuff. And when that person is away on holiday or sick yeah. or something like that, then more back. So this is true, right? This is actually true. There's one person who reviews every single application that oh goes through Victoria. Um, and when this person is away, it does sometimes cause further delays. You get the power. Oh, you know what? You'd think that they would have the system a little <laughs> a little bit more streamlined there, right? Yeah, you would think. Okay. <laughs> okay. And the reason why I bring this up right now is because, you know, some people don't believe that. Because mm -hmm. we've had estates where we've told uh, a buyer, mm -hmm. so I take care of the, the seller. We tell the buyer and their agent, well, this is what's going on. Uh, you know, there's delays. And we're almost always met with this whole, yeah, right. Whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. have, and, and it's usually has the executor or estate, are they dragging their heels? Have they mm -hmm. not done what's mm -hmm. necessary? Well, no, they've done everything mm -hmm. required. It's just this whole process and, and, and the backup, right? Exactly. It, it's a long process. And when there's one person reviewing all applications in Victoria, yeah, um, it definitely can add to the delays. Because, I mean, I know your firm uh, does a lot of uh, estates, but when you add all mm -hmm. of the firms up together, I'm sure there's a lot of estate uh, files being handled on a monthly basis, right? Absolutely. Um, and, and there is one person, you know, but the person we deal with is very good and thorough. Mm -hmm. Um but there is one person. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, what's what's a big um, what's a big what's a big drawback or a tip that you can offer for people when they're in the process of dealing with an estate for their family? Um, I think just on the planning end, if the um, willmakers are able to create a file folder at home with all their important documents in there, like bank account statements, not 
necessarily for balances, but who they deal with, Mm -hmm. property documents, insurance documents, it will really speed up the process for the executor because they need to find everything and list everything. So if all of all of that information is organized, I think it could definitely speed up the process. I have uh, I've seen examples where uh, forward thinking uh, people have take have taken photos of all of their um, uh, all of their special items and designated who they would yep. uh, go to when the time comes. Right. Yep. I've seen that. I've seen um, items labeled. Uh-huh. In homes, yeah. um, really, if anyone has any sentimental items that they specifically want to leave to certain individuals, I think taking photos or labeling items or creating a list is a great idea. Mm-hmm. I, I don't find those things cause as much delays, though, because those can be dealt with after, after or while the application submitted. You know, the family members can go through the home, yeah. see if there are any items they specifically wanted. If the will doesn't set out who receives what in terms of items. Okay. When when the probate process happens, and it's basically requiring the rubber stamp at the end of the six to eight weeks or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, how often are they not approved? Um, it really, so I find when um, executors attempt to submit the application on their own without advice, which is common, yep. which is something you can do, mm-hmm. they don't always know um, how to complete the applications. Okay. Um, sometimes they don't complete a section that needed to be completed. Um, so in that case, I, I would say um, I've seen more defect notices Got it. Um, than if you hired somebody to help you through the process. Because you guys do it every day. Exactly. And you, know, you know what to look for and you make exactly. sure that everything's done. Yeah, we're very familiar with the forms and the process. So important. Um, Gurpreet, if people need to reach you at Sika Law again, the number? The number is 778-265-2677. Great. And your website? sitkalaw.ca. You guys are also on social media. We are. Instagram and Facebook, and right? And Facebook, yes. So uh, please follow us on there We're going to post photos of you in the studio <laughs> here uh, today. Thank you. All right. Thanks again for having me, Tony. Yeah, you bet. Uh, Steve, yes. uh, again, people need to reach, uh, need to reach you? At uh, 1-780-394-6277. And collect if necessary. That's right? correct. Yeah. And at www.estatehelpers.ca and at estatehelpers at outlook.com. Great. Well, you know, again, it's such a complicated process and uh, great to hear from both of you just about the uh, estate planning idea. Again, make sure you get a will. I think that's one of the big uh, mm-hmm. tips that uh, that we've heard today. Absolutely. It makes that whole estate process a lot easier. And for Steve, uh, being able to know that there's somebody like you around here that can help someone from start to finish because there's so many, so many loose ends that yes. happen here in an estate sale. Yes. Uh, thank you both for coming. Uh, And for the listeners, I'm Tony Joe, and this is The Whole Home Show. Thanks for listening this week. I'll be here for you this time next week.